Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Well, that's a good sign that everybody likes talking to, to one another. I'd feel really bad, and, and, and honestly, it'd be pretty awkward if I asked you to get up and shake everybody's hands, and everybody just kind of stood there and looked at each other. It'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? So I appreciate the, the fellowship. It's always encouraging. This morning, we're going to be talking about a powerful testimony, or a good testimony, and what that looks like based on the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul's testimony His story is found in a couple different places, and we actually have his words of his own story found in a couple different places throughout the book of Acts. And so we've been looking at some of his correspondence to the churches that he had helped start, that he'd been ministering to. And so to give you a little background, while we're going back to Acts this morning, as the Apostle Paul continued those journeys, uh, visiting those churches and planting new churches and discipling those new believers, he felt compelled to go back to Jerusalem. And he didn't know uh, really what was in store for him once he got back to Jerusalem, but he, he began to sense in his spirit that the end of his life was coming. And he, he just felt that there was probably something fairly bad waiting for him back in Jerusalem. But in spite of that threat from what we'll just call the religious elite, Paul goes back to Jerusalem and he has the opportunity to share his story, to share his testimony about him coming to know Jesus Christ and that radical change that Christ made on his life. And so our focus today is understanding just how important and how powerful a testimony and a reputation of transformation can be. It reminds me of a story about a godly man in the community that ran for years, ran one of these old country stores. Now, y'all might, some of y'all remember these stores like I'm talking about. There used to be an old country store at the mouth of every holler in Knox County. And it's typically a family or a person that ran this store for, for years and years and years. Well, this old man ran one of these stores. It was one of these stores where you could go in and for lunch you could get a bologna sandwich. I mean a real bologna sandwich with the big thick cut bologna and a big hunk of tomato. Some of y'all remember that, right? And the kind of store that had the old hardwood floors that were so old and so dirty, they were, they were black and they had its own smell to it, really. So anyway, he ran one of these stores. And he had this reputation as being a good, godly Christian man. And he was known for every time he would ring up a transaction on the old cash register, he'd pause just for a minute and just recite some verse from the Bible that came to mind based on whatever the situation was. So in these old country stores, you had this group of old men, we'll just say old men, that hung out there all the time, right? And so they would, they would hang out and talk about the weather, talk about politics, read the paper. And so they would sit around, and it kind of became a sport to watch the old man ring up the cash register and just see what verse he might say. And so, for example, one time the old man... Uh, rang up a child that had come in and the kid pulled out a bunch of change, hard-earned change out of his pocket and bought a whole sack of candy. Now, kids used to, you could go into a store and buy a whole sack of candy for, for a few quarters, right? Can't do that anymore. But he rings the kid up 
and they're watching, and he, he, he stops for just a second, and he says, Suffer not the little children to come unto me. Another time, a, a widow woman comes in, and she takes what little money she has, and she buys everything she needs, and he grabs a few items extra at no charge to her, throws those into her bag as well, rings her up, and they're watching, of course, and he stops for just a minute, and he whispers, Pure and undefiled religion before God is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And so this went on day after day. That was just his thing. Well, one day, this guy pulls in, clearly from out of town, a big old shiny brand new pickup truck pulling this big, long, fancy, shiny horse trailer. He jumps out and he runs into the store and he says, listen, is there any chance you have a horse blanket in this store? And the old man says, well, matter of fact, I do have a few in the back. So he goes to the back and he pulls out a horse blanket Brings it out. He says, this is the one we've got. It'll be $25. And the man kind of looks at it. And he says, listen, you don't understand. I'm on my way to Louisville, Kentucky to show and to sell this horse. There's no way I'm going to show up to this with a $25 blanket on this horse. Do you have anything else? Well, the man says, well, let me go look. So he goes to the back. He starts to find another horse blanket. Now, he's only got one kind of horse blanket back there. But he's got some different colors. So he pulls another one out, different color, same blanket, takes it back out, lays it on the counter. He said, I've got this one that I can let it go for $50. He said, listen, man. He said, this is a world-class horse. I'm not going to put a $50 blanket on a world-class horse. So the old man smiled. And, of course, all these other men are watching. And he goes back to the back Gets it in his pile of blankets, finds a different color, same blanket, pulls it back out, lays it down. The, he says, I can let this one go today for $100. Man looks at it and he says, man, that's more like it. Gives him a $100 bill, runs out and leaves. So all these old men have been taking all this in, right? And they watch him. And he eases over to the cash register with that $100 bill and he opens it up. And he puts the $100 bill down the cash register and he kind of looks up to heaven and he says, he was a stranger, and I took him in. <laughs> a reputation goes a long way. And the Apostle Paul's testimony, I think, is one of the greatest, not only in the Bible, but I think this man's story is one of the greatest ever in history. How God could take someone like Saul, save him, change him, and use him in the way that he did. Let's look back in that book of Acts this morning. We're going to be in chapter 22. And we're going to pick up at verse 6. This is not just someone else's words of what happened to Paul. This is Paul's own words of what Christ did in his life. Paul says, as I was traveling and approaching Damascus, about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light. But they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I said, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go to Damascus. 
And there you will be told everything that you've been assigned to do. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and went into Damascus. Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and I saw him. And he said, the God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth, since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. After I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him telling me, Hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And the blood of your witness Stephen was being, as it was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. Verse 21, he said to me, go, because I will send you far away. To the Gentiles. Now, Paul's giving his story at this point in his life because those Jews in Jerusalem, honestly, they were trying to kill him. They were so upset at Paul, had so much hatred in their heart, they wanted to kill the Apostle Paul. Now, I wish that I could say after he shared his story, they all got saved and went to work together sharing the gospel. But as far as we know, that's not the case. These folks heart was so hard and they were so filled with hate. These were probably some of the same people that hated Jesus when Jesus was here on the earth. And so Paul would eventually share this same exact story yet again before King Agrippa, just as God had told him, right? He said, you're going to take the gospel to kings and to Gentiles and even to Israel. And what I want us to see from Paul's story this morning is what exactly makes up a good testimony? What makes up a powerful testimony? And there's three parts that we need to include when we share our testimony, our story. And the first one's this, and that's who I was before Jesus. This is you BC, you before Christ, you 1.0, all right? The Apostle Paul provides one of the greatest examples of how terrible a person can be apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a bad guy. In his own testimony, he recounts in this story about how before meeting Jesus, he'd been so religious and so zealous in pursuit of his religion that he gained the reputation as the one, the one guy who had countless Christians arrested and beaten and persecuted. And even when Jesus came and revealed himself to Paul, Paul was not looking for Jesus. Paul was on his way to do this very thing, to persecute other believers. And so he talks about even how he was involved in the murder of Stephen and how he stood by and he gave his approval to those who stoned Stephen to death. Folks, before Jesus, Paul was a hard man. Paul had a hard heart, and he was bent on ridding this world of Christianity and the name of Jesus. He was not a good person at all. And we have to be careful when we're sharing this part of our testimony. Because if we're not careful, when we begin to share all the gory details about who we used to be, we can glamorize that and put more emphasis on that than on what Christ has done in our life. But it's also important because it's a powerful thing to show where I was without my Lord. 
where I was before I knew Jesus. And so it's encouraging to hear about people like this, terrorists to Christians like the Apostle Paul, or the addict who gets set free, or the drunk who gets redeemed, or the murderer who gets saved. Now maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, wait a minute, preacher. I don't have a whole lot to talk about before I got saved. Maybe I was a kid. Maybe I was always a good person. I never persecuted Christians or killed anyone. Preacher, I never even had a drink. But let me be real clear. You were just as lost as the Apostle Paul was before you knew Jesus. And you were just as separated from God in your sin and just as guilty as Paul was standing there smiling while they stoned Stephen to death. Paul kind of reminds us of this in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2. I want to read it for you because it's, it's so clear and so true. Paul says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. That is every, regardless of what you've done actually in this life, this is every Christian's testimony. You, apart from Christ, regardless of how good you may have been, even before you were saved, Paul says you were dead in your sin. You were a child under wrath, disobedient. You were guilty. You were lost, as lost can be. But however lost you were, Christ found you, right? And that's the second part of this powerful testimony is, Not just who I was before Jesus, but how did I meet Jesus? And so Paul says, and this is my version, recounting Paul's word. He said, boys, I was walking down to Damascus on my way to persecute Christians, minding my own business, when all of a sudden this light came out of nowhere and I heard this voice that just happened to be the voice of the Lord. Now, I wish, church, I wish this was the case for every single person. That all of a sudden the heavens would open up and and lights would flash and God would speak directly to you. Even if you're not looking for God or wanting to be saved, that you would just hear his voice and you would get saved right there on the spot. Most of the time that's not the case, is it? But here's what we've got to realize. And please don't take my next few words out of context. But listen carefully. God speaks to us just as clearly today as he did to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Now let me explain what that means. God uses the people in our lives. God uses the circumstances in our lives. God uses, most importantly, his very word in our lives to speak his truth. Even written right there in black and white and red. To speak his truth to us so that just as the Apostle Paul who heard the Lord's voice on the road to Damascus could come to saving faith in Christ. Today you can hear his voice through his word and through those circumstances in your life and turn to faith in Christ and be saved today. There was one man in church history who again he was lost as lost can be. His dad was literally a pagan. He was just a bad person, a thief filled with lust and he was just lost. And one day he all the while he had this mother who was a praying godly mother by the way. And one day he had a Damascus road experience and he felt there was no light, there was no voice that spoke. 
But he felt compelled in his heart to grab this Bible and pick it up and just read whatever came, whatever he came to. And in his words, he said, I quickly returned to the bench. I snatched up the apostle's book and in silence read the paragraph on which my eyes fell. Quote, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and in envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans 13, 13. And he said, I wanted to read no further, nor did I need to. For instantly, as that sentence ended, there was infused in my heart something like the light of full certainty and all the gloom of doubt vanished away. So just as Paul saw Christ on that road to Damascus, St. Augustine, so many years ago, saw the light of Christ through the words of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, right there in Scripture, and he was saved. Now, what about you? How did you come to know Jesus? How did you meet Jesus and get saved? Maybe a more important question is, have you done that? Have you ever met Jesus and gotten saved? Or are you still lost, still wandering through this life and this world and this darkness and just knowing that today you need to be saved? And if that's you, you'll have an opportunity here in just a few minutes. Because I want you to understand is that no matter where you are today, no matter what you've done or what you, how bad you think you've been, Christ can not only save you, but He can change your life this morning. And that's the third part of this testimony. is that Not only who you were or how you met Jesus, but who I am now in Jesus. Just like we talked about last week, being in Christ. How many is thankful that when Jesus saves you, He doesn't leave you where He found you? Amen. He makes you into a new creature. He makes you into a brand new person. Paul says he was one way before Christ. He goes into great detail about how he met Christ. And then he says Jesus radically changed who he was. That he, he gets up and begins to follow Jesus. He's saved. He's baptized. And then not only that, he says Jesus spoke to me and sent me out. Told me to go and take the gospel to the nations. And so you think about this transformation. You have Paul who once traveled the world persecuting Christians now travels the world making Christians, spreading the gospel and making Christ known to the nation. So back in Ephesians where Paul says that we were dead and disobedient and children under wrath, Paul goes on to say, now that you're in Christ, now that you're saved, you are alive. He says you are saved by His grace. He says you're reconciled to God, that you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's own household. Paul says you have been chosen, you've been adopted, you've been redeemed, you've been sealed by God's Holy Spirit and an heir in His kingdom. That is radically different than the person before Christ. And so, this morning, I want to ask you, and this is where we're going to leave this morning, leave you, leave you hanging. What's your story? What is the story that God has written with your life? Who were you? But more importantly, who are you now? You see, every person has a story. And you might think, God can't use my story. Yes, He can. Your story might be the very tool that God uses to bring somebody else 
to Christ. And so my challenge for us Christians this morning is, is to share your story with someone else. Now, I'm putting a plug in for you to come back tonight because one of the questions that I'm going to ask is, what's your story? So this afternoon, be thinking up two or three, four or five minutes of what your story is. And let us hear what God has done. Give God glory for what he's done in your life, okay? So if you don't have a story, and what I mean by that is if you're still lost, you're stuck in this, this darkness and, and you're just wandering down this road away from God this morning. Would you be saved today? If you're watching online and, and you need Christ, would you be saved? Listen, you don't wait for the flashing lights and the and thunders and voices from heaven. Know that for God so loved this world that he gave his son. That if you would just believe in him, you would not perish but could have everlasting life. Just stand with us as we close in prayer this morning. If you'd be saved today, you would essentially be allowing God to write the rest of your story because He's not done with you. And Christian, He's not done with you either. And He's got a story that you need to share, to share His gospel with those in your family, with your friends, with those around you, and even with this world. And my challenge is for you to start doing that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning we thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace, Lord, in our lives. That you would take someone like us that is so lost, so apart from Christ. And God, you would save us. You would redeem us. And you change us, Lord. You give us a brand new start. And that you would even use us, use our past experiences, use our story to reach others. Father, if there's someone here this morning that's never been saved, I pray today you would give them that ounce of faith that they could know Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville. Or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.